0: Welcome to the Josh Scanlon Podcast. This episode first appeared as a video on my YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash Wealth planning. I hope you find it informative. Thanks. Chapter 11 of the, my book, You Can Retire on Social Security. Even more reasons to be optimistic about retirement. I need to say a couple of things. This uh, this chapter probably is my favorite one of the entire book, um, and the next basically got next what four chapters. I love all of these chapters. I love this one the most. I don't know if I want to say that. I think I love this one the most. I, I reserve the right to change my mind, but uh, this is what changed everything for me. Uh, and I've done a couple of videos on this on this concept before about the reality retirement spending. And I just uh, I just want to give credence to the people. Uh, of which there are a few and still they're starting to get more and more prevalent now, but a guy like Ta- Ty Bernicke, and I've talked about him before, uh, Kotlikoff of Boston University, professor. Um, there's been a few researchers even before them in the late nineties. And I, before I knew who they were uh, talking about this concept of retirement spending actually declines. And I, uh, it's hard to be, it's hard to go against the grain, especially when your industry is contingent on you raising assets in order to get paid. It's hard to, to sit there and say, nah, I think we might we might be doing this wrong. Um, and so, you know, you stand on the shoulders of people who took the arrows, that's for sure. And it, like that might sound dramatic, but think about it. If you were the guy touting low carbs in the late 50s and 60s after the Eisenhower had a heart attack and Ansel Keys and all those guys that, who had dominated the industry, who had all the research money, that Eisenhower himself said, we need to worry about If you're the guy who said, and there was a guy, I forgot his name off the top of my head, in the late 60s and early 70s, said these guys are wrong. And he was run out. It's the same, it's in every industry. The incumbents protect, protect, because it's your money that, I mean, it's their money that is at risk if things get changed. And uh, I was in part of that business back in the day of people actually charging a fee for assets as opposed to commissions. And back then, people were howling like, you know, it's just, it was nuts. Now the days that that battle is won, now it's people like me, the few and far between who say you shouldn't pay for assets under management; you should pay for financial planning. And we're going to win. I mean, it's it's inevitable. Uh, We are the right side of history. Not like the commies who said that, but they weren't, but we are. It's the true professional will charge for the services, not for managing assets. So anyway, it's just a matter of time. But the issue I just want to point out is, was people who came before me um, who just did wonderful work. And I uh, I don't think they'll ever get the recognition they deserve. And uh, it's too bad, but um, it is what it is. And the ben- the industry is, benef- is benefited and the consumer, more importantly, has benefited for the work that some of these people did. So let's dive into this. Um, chapter 11, even more reason to be optimistic about retirement. In 2005, I came across this article written by Ty Bernicki in the Journal for Financial Planning, which changed everything for me. The dramatically, and Bernicke stated, the dramatically different spending tendencies between my firm's younger and older retirement clients served as a catalyst for the study. Many of our younger retirees had problems spending within the income parameters of their retirement plans, while the majority of our older retirees were spending far less than they could afford. It is my opinion that these spending tendencies hold the key to a much larger picture, which includes creating more realistic retirement projections by making adjustments to the traditional retirement planning approach. Traditional retirement income planning generally assumes that a household's expenditures during retirement increase by a certain percentage each year to reflect historical inflation rates. This type of planning usually results in increasingly higher withdrawals from the retiree's nest egg to help sustain inflation-adjusted expenses throughout retirement. Reality retirement planning is similar to the traditional approach in that it increases spending for inflation. This strategy differs from traditional approach because it assumes that a household's real spending needs decrease incrementally throughout retirement. So it's still being adjusted for inflation, but the actual dollars are declining. It's like a tug of war, Bernanke talks about, which I don't think I quote yet, but it's like a tug of war. You got the inflation tugging at the increasing, but just as you get older, you don't want to do less and less and less. And ultimately, the decreasing wins out over the inflation. Bernanke used real data from the BLS, Bureau of Labor Statistics, to find that, lo and behold, retiree spending doesn't actually increase here each year with inflation but rather it goes down and it drops substantially too. To quote, the 2002 Consumer Expenditure Survey illustrates that a 27% reduction in average annual expenditures between the 55 and 64 age group and the 65 and 74 age group. It also reveals a 26% reduction in expenditures between the 65 and 74 age group and the 75 plus age group. The spending dropped by a whopping 27 and 26 percent, respectively, as retirees age. Now, this article is based on 2002 numbers from the BLS's Consumer Expenditure Survey, CES. So maybe it's one off, right? let's take a look at the most recent numbers from the BLS, which I posted below in table 21. And you can read the entire article here, which I linked to. In 2014, the BLS reports spending dropped 13% from the ages of 55 to 64 to 65 and 74. And another 25% from 65 to 74 to over 75. Not unlike 2002, not unlike the 2002 BLS numbers that Bernicke wrote about. And here you'll see the table. So what we got here is, that better okay so anyway that's not good let me pause this real quick not sure how I missed that. that is ugly so I just fixed that all right anyway so total annual expenditures for all from 55 and older is 53,495 by the ages of 55 so that's all that's all retired that's not retired everybody in the U.S. total annual expenditures uh, is 53,495 for the consumer unit characteristics However, from 55 and older, it's $49,279 in total. 55 to 64 is $56,000. 65 to 74 is $48,000. And 75 and older is $36,000. And the interesting thing is, well, let's keep going. I'll show you. So we'll keep reading. We'll keep reading because there's a lot going on in this chart that you need to understand. If we choose to look, we see a consistent, steady decline in spending by retirees the older they get. Most interesting is that far and away, the number one expenditure is housing. Nothing even comes close. Housing consumes over a third of retirees' income, and it does so consistently. And I love this chart, because watch. We're going to show food. The share of food for all households is 12%. The share of housing for all households is 33.3%. And it stays consistently. Not even argue. This is probably 33% because it's under uh, less expenditures. But basically, as you get older, the biggest expense you have is actually it increases to be housing. All right. So you got 33, a third of your income for everybody's housing, a third, uh, 32%, 32.4. But as you get older, it actually consumes even more of your income because your or your expenditures because your expenditures are dropping. So your housing is fixed. Everything else is dropping and inherently it's going to be cost more relative to your expenditures. Well, that makes sense. I also want to point, well, let's keep reading because I think I say it in here. Another interesting thing about housing is that according to the Census Bureau, the median housing cost for those without a mortgage is $474 a month. Yet for those with a mortgage, uh, the meeting housing cost is three times as high at 1515 a month. And here we got the table 22 for the, uh, this is American Community Survey estimates from the Census Bureau, uh, Census Bureau survey, right? Uh, I can't remember what it is here. Uh, Census Bureau, the American Community Survey, that's what it is. So we got number of owner occupied units without a mortgage we got 24 25 million who have monthly housing costs of zero to 99 at zero to a thousand bucks essentially so this is a number of owner occupied units without a mortgage in the u.s and this is the census bureau survey we have 25 million of number of owner occupied units without a mortgage 25 million who pay between zero and roughly one thousand dollars a month in monthly housing costs Does that makes sense the number of owner-occupied houses without a mortgage is about 2 million, so it drops significantly when your monthly housing costs are 1,000 to 1,499 to 1,500. Number of owner-occupied units without a mortgage when housing costs are over 1,500 is only 853,000. The median housing costs, monthly housing costs for homeowners without a mortgage, is $474. That means 50% of the population of homeowners without a mortgage. And we're talking, what's that, 25, 6, 7, 28 million people. So 14 million people, housing units in the United States who have no mortgage pay less than four hundred seventy-four million $474 a month. Like some guys, some, I, I can't believe this guy saying this, he's big lib, and he's saying, well, that's because they're poor and they don't take care of their houses like we do in well-to-do communities. I said, dude, I can't believe it. It's like, you don't, I guess it was nuts. He was saying that's the reason I don't pay because I don't keep up. Keep, basically, poor people don't keep their houses up. I was, I can't say, I was stunned. I know what the left is, and that was leftist diatribe part, part and parcel, it was nuts. All right, so let's now look at table 23. All right, good. Uh, financial characteristics for housing units with a mortgage. Number of owner-occupied units with the mortgage. So 10 million owner-occupied units who have a mortgage pay between zero and $1,000 a month. I would say 24 million who have a mortgage pay monthly housing costs of 1,000 to 2,000 a month. And that is, yeah, so look at that. That's crazy. So, 24 million people have a mortgage, of which their monthly housing cost is between one and two thousand a month. Just under 10 million have a mortgage where their monthly housing cost is two to three thousand a month. 5.2 million have a mortgage where their monthly housing cost is over three thousand a month. So, of these, we'll see us at uh, 35, 45, 50 million units of houses who own a house with a mortgage. The median is $1,500 a month. The median is $1,500 a month, which means over 50% pay more than $1,500 a month. Now, as we dive even deeper into the Census Bureau data, we find the number of people without a mortgage greatly increases as people age. Imagine that. This one I love right here. Again, American Community Survey, five-year estimates, 2013 to 2017 from Census Bureau. Housing units with a mortgage. All right, this is a total houses units right there. 75, well, let's say 80, 76 million people or a housing unit. 76 million households in the U.S. have a home. They own a home. Of those 76 million, 48 million have a home with a mortgage. So we take 48 divided by 76. So 63% have a mortgage. Of those people with a mortgage between 15 and 34 years old there's 6.2 million household units in the US that have a mortgage or are under the age of 34. Between 35 and 44 there are 10 million people housing units or uh, households in the US with a mortgage. 45 to 54, 12 and a half million. 55 to 59, 6 million. 60 to 64, 5 million have a mortgage. And this was interesting. Here, we got a little bit of a jump up. 65 to 74 years old, 6 million people have houses with a mortgage. That's the number right there that bothers me. Now, 75 and up, only 2.2 million people have a mortgage or housing units. But watch this. Housing units without a mortgage. Only 27.6 million households in the U.S. have no mortgage. All right, but watch. We're gonna start here. So here we have 55 to 59 years old. older, six million housing units with a mortgage, 55 to 59 there are three million housing units without a mortgage, 60 to 64 there are five million housing units with a mortgage, 60 to 64, there are 3.5 million housing units without a mortgage. But here's where it gets fun 65 to 74, there are 6.1 million with a mortgage and 7.1 million without a mortgage. 675 and above, there are 2 million with a mortgage and 7.5 million without. It's interesting. In every age group, more households have mortgages than don't until 65 and above. Uh, in fact, in the age group 35 to 44, there are five homeowners with a mortgage for every one non mortgage homeowner. Ages 45 to 54, the ratio drops to 3 to 1. 55 to 59 is roughly 2 to 1. 60 to 64 is 1.5 household units with a mortgage for every one that doesn't have one. At the age of 65, though, the ratios change with more non-mortgage homeowners than mortgage homeowners. When you get to 75 plus, it's more than the three to one ratio in the other direction of non-mortgage homeowners than it is to mortgage homeowners, to mortgagees. Any wonder, then, why spending drops in retirement. Housing is the biggest expense by far. And cost of housing drops considerably as you get older, primarily because you no longer carry a debt on the home. Makes sense to me. To me, And I also need to add property tax, which is part of the housing cost, by the way. On a, as a side note, retirees generally occupy smaller homes. as so they have less property tax. And a lot of counties have large homestead exemptions for seniors to reduce their property tax bill as well. All of this information has been out there for anyone who wants to take the time and look, and yet few financial pros or even research have done so. Why? Now, I just want to point out, and I didn't say this in the book. Think about it. If your median, let's see, we have the median household income is $60,000. If $43,000 is your median take-home income in the U.S., all right, $43,000, and if you have a mortgage, your median household housing cost is 18,000. 18 divided by 43. 41.8% of the median household income of people who have a mortgage is going to housing costs. that does include utilities, includes property tax, includes mortgage, the whole thing. 41.8% of the median after-tax net income because you, you're not even going to get a deduction. I mean, my goodness, only 5% or something like that get deductions anymore. But 41.8% if you have a mortgage of the median homeowners after tax income is going to Fortis Housing. On the other, Going to Housing. On the other way, if you don't have a mortgage, 474 times 12, only divided by 43,000. Only 13.22% of your median net income is going to service housing costs without a mortgage. I just, that's thats it. Part and parcel. That's it. Don't have a mortgage. And don't pay rent either. Owning your home free and clear is the biggest thing you can do for a successful retirement. All right, let's keep going because we got more to go here. All right, smash and stay tuned.